I say it? Yeah. Welcome to the Truthful Sports. Hey, what's going on? So glad to be back with you all and so thankful that you are tuning in for a brand new episode of The Truth Response. We are here today. We are sans one Derek and we are also sans Jeff. Um, but it's it's me, your favorite pastor, Pastor Nick, and we've got Derek Stevenson and the lovely Lizzie here with us as well. And uh, just so excited to get back at it and to share a little bit. We've got a new setup, which is really exciting. You can't see it, but we can. And uh, I guess that's what's really important is that we can see it. And uh, and here we are. We're going to talk a little bit about some stuff, some exciting things going on in our world today. I don't know, maybe exciting is not the appropriate word for them. Well, it's exciting because you never know what's going to happen next. There you go. It's exciting because you never know what's going to happen next. Who's going to be the next president of the United States of America or continue to remain the president of the United States of America? I don't know when you're listening to this, but last night was the final presidential debate of 2020. Um, Yay! uh, Yeah. (laughs) I think that's how we all feel about it. And uh, I abstained from the presidential debate last night, which was probably good. I'm going to go back and watch it okay. probably this week. Yeah. Yeah, so... I refuse. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Trump must have done pretty well. Otherwise, the social media would have blown up talking about how horrible a person he is. More so, typically, than any other day. And obviously, it wasn't all that exciting on the Biden end either because the media was silent as well. So maybe there's something that Biden said that people didn't really like because usually then they jump all over how great Biden did, but they didn't say anything about that. So so that leads us to today's topic, which is deception. A really exciting thing, especially really exciting topic, especially when we're talking about the presidential debate and all the weird, crazy things that happen, especially among these two candidates. You've got a lifelong politician, Joe Biden, 47 years in government. You've got a not lifelong politician, Trump, Four years, essentially, at this point in government. And you've got the deception that is continuing to swirl around. Who is telling the truth? I mean, none of them, really, is probably the answer there. And how are they working to pull the wool over the vote, the eyes of the American voter? And who does that make you think of in the Bible? A lot of different people. Okay. A lot of different people <laughs> is probably a good answer. Um, for me, it's it's Jacob. I mean, his name means deceiver. It means grasps at the heel, and it means deceiver. And so you really can't get too far into the, the Jacob narrative and not see how deception just completely covers his entire life. So deception and the man Jacob. Jacob's life is just defined by deception. I mean, it all kind of happens from the very beginning. You see, he gets his name because uh, you've got these two, uh, these two twin boys that are in the womb of their mother, Rebecca, right? And they, you see them continuing to jostle back and forth, and she's like, what's going on in there? I mean, I think that's what every pregnant woman really asks most of the time is like, what's really going on in there? And then a prophet reveals that there are two nations at war within you, and that's... That's terrifying. As a mother? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get them out you gonna be now. Yeah, get them out right now. <laughs> and then eventually when they are born, you've got Esau that comes out first, and you've got this his, his twin brother that's literally holding on to his leg, holding on to his foot, like, following no, him Like, no, let out. me out first. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And Esau gets his name because he's red and hairy. A red, hairy baby. Mm-hmm. Sorry for all you Esau's out there. Yeah. Red, hairy baby. <laughs> when Elijah was born, Elijah being my, my son, um, he was kind of red and hairy, and I really contemplated giving him the name Esau. However, there's negative connotation in the Bible with Esau, so I didn't go there. So Elijah stayed in the E family, but... Elijah, 
better name. So you've got Jacob grasps at the heel. That's where he got his name from. Esau, red and hairy one, right? And and they kind of grow up in this world of deception then as they continue to age and progress. And, and you have the first deception happen when Esau comes in. Esau is a hunter, right? Esau likes to go out. He likes to hunt. Um, manly man. Yeah, he's a manly man when it comes down to it. Jacob... He's kind of feminine, right? He would prefer to hang around the house. He wants to work with mom, do the women's chores, essentially. And I'm not trying to downplay, say, there are women's chores and men's chores, okay? I get it. This is 2020. Feminist America. I got what you're saying, right? So, but in the ancient world, there were women's chores and men's chores. And Jacob preferred to hang around and to prepare meals and to do the cleaning and hang out with the, with the ladies. So Esau comes in, long day hunting, maybe not too eventful, and he's just incredibly hungry. And he says, please prepare me a meal for I am about to die. What every male feels like when it's time for dinner, right? Especially if they've been out hunting. Right, especially if they've been out hunting. And so and, it's, and not caught anything. <laughs> yeah, even more so. Because you were out longer. Yeah. So Red Harry Esau says, give me a meal, I must die. And Jacob's like, I will give you food only if you sell me your birthright. That's pretty significant in the ancient world as well. Now we're like, birthright, what does that have to do with anything? A birthright was the inheritance that you got from your your, your father's household. And the oldest son would get double inheritance, whereas the rest of the kids would then get an inheritance beyond that. Um, so they would get the, the double portion, though. So Jacob was all about, I want your double inheritance. And Esau's like, yo, I just, I just want food. And so for anybody out there listening, if you want to really deceive a male, do it at dinner time, right? Because he will literally sell his soul for a bowl of stew, uh, as we see play out here. Uh, so Esau the hunter, and when we're, when we're thinking about hunter, the word hunter, the, the thought of hunter, and we think about deception, and we think about politics in 2020 America, I mean, who better else to bring up than Hunter Biden, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Derek, you're an expert on this. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I have heard recently that, yes, Hunter Biden has been deceiving people for a while. Yeah. Really just utilizing his status... And, and yeah, and his dad's status yeah is really more of what it is to for financial gain yeah with very communist countries yeah you could almost say he was willing to sell his soul in order to gain a little bit more wealth right. in in the world and hey that's the narrative of not only 2020 but isn't that the narrative of so many so much of the world around us and so many people around us like. We are willing to sell off our soul, our very well-being, our purpose, oftentimes in life, mm -hmm. in order just to gain some of the material stuff that we, we want. That yeah. doesn't satisfy us. Right. Ever. Right. Yeah. Or else we wouldn't continually try to sell our soul for more material pleasures. Yep. And that is really kind of the story of Jacob as well. I mean, you see that happen throughout the course. So you've got Esau selling off his birthright. And then you've got Jacob claiming that at that point. But that's not the end of the deception. Because old not dad... Not by far. <laughs> right. Old dad, he gets, he gets older, perhaps on his deathbed. Uh, his name is Isaac, for those of you playing at home. And it's about that time for the blessing to come upon the child who's going to take over the inheritance. And mom, who's very much in the Jacob camp, not so much in the Esau camp. Dad is very much in the Esau camp, but not so well, much in the Jacob camp. He even camp. says that he loved, that she loved um, Jacob, Jacob yeah. and he loved Isaac. Yeah. He loved Esau. Like, yeah. <laughs> there is clear lines in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> who's every, on whose side? Every parent has a favorite child. I only have one, so that's easy. Yeah. We're not going to talk about yours? No. <laughs> You know who you are. <laughs> yep. You know who you are. So there's a favorite favorite child in all of this. So mom, Rebecca, is like, hey, I have got a plan. We are going to hook you up with dad's blessing. 
Here's what I need you to do though. I need you to go out, get one of the young goats that we have. I'm gonna make the best stew, like your dad's favorite stew. We're gonna get this blessing because we're gonna make dad think you're Esau. And Jacob's like, but how is that gonna happen? Right, because he's a little bit feminine, so we, we gotta think he's probably got a voice kinda like this, right? <laughs> Hi, I'm Jacob, it's nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> so Jacob goes out, kills the calf, Brings it into mom. Mom makes the stew. Jacob's still like, but, but, but my brother's hairy and I'm not. And so mom's like, got that covered too. So she takes the skin of the goat or the calf. I think it was goat that they killed. Wraps the skin around his arms. Tells him to go out, get some Esau's clothes. Puts on Esau's clothes. Takes a bowl of stew into dad. Dad blesses Jacob thinking he's Esau, even though he, he, and he even says, you sound an awful lot like Jacob, but you smell and feel a lot more like Esau. And Jake, Jacob's like, yeah, I know. Sorry, Dad. Um, I fell while I was out hunting, and now this is my voice. <laughs> right? So he pulled something like that off on Dad, and Dad fell for it. Dad blesses Jacob. He, he just straight out lies to him and says, I'm Esau. Yeah, he does. He <laughs> He's said, like, I'm Esau. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac blesses Jacob, thinking he's Esau. And this is one of those like hard parts in the Bible, because you're like, what does this blessing really even mean or do? Because it's not really something that happens in our, our world, in our context today. But there was power and significance in this blessing. Let's just leave it at that. Power and significance and influence in mm. this blessing that would come. Now, Esau rolls back in from a hard day's hunt, and guess what? Not so happy when he prepares some stew, takes it into old dad, and all of a sudden, all of the pieces come, come put to, get put together of this puzzle, and Esau flat out says, y'all, I'm going to straight up kill my brother as soon as dad dies, because I don't want to inflict any more hardship on him than he's already dealing with right now, but that fool got to go. So Jacob does what any other reasonable human being does, would, would do, and he runs away, right? Yeah. Seems like the best thing. You're going to die, run away. And here's where he encounters God for the very first time. He's fleeing out of the land where him and his family are. He ends up making a little camp just before he goes across the river into the land where some of his relatives live. And God meets him and offers him kind of the same promise that he offered his grandfather, Abraham, making a great nation, all these great things are going to happen, going to give you this land. And Jacob is still fearful, all alone, doesn't really have much. And despite what God says, I'm going to give you this stuff, Jacob continues on his own way to make his own way. Makes his way into this other land where his, his relatives are, ends up getting a wife, uh, or so he thinks. And so now the tables are turned on Jacob, and Jacob becomes the one deceived. Yes really loves this one one woman. And it's funny how this is I'm just thinking about this right now where where Isaac's favorite son is Esau says he was loved by him. Jacob sought the blessing of the one whom Esau, whom Isaac really loved. Mm -hmm. And now he really loves this this woman. Her name is Rachel. Mm -hmm. But dad has got a plan and all of this. Because Rachel's older sister, Leah, we don't really know what's going on with Leah, but we know, one, she's not married, and it says she's got weak eyes. Which means she's not the most attractive, generally speaking, right. in biblical terms. Right. <clears throat> maybe, that's, maybe that we need to resurrect that saying, be like, hmm. You have weak eyes. You've got weak eyes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to resurrect that one. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would really know what you're saying, which is, which should be okay, maybe. Except for those that are listening to our podcast right yeah, now. Yeah, like, oh, you've got weak eyes. So I don't Leah, think somebody's going to take that as a compliment, no matter what. Like, yeah. Weak. That's fair. In the... You have the weakest of eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, it doesn't I'm work. i punch you in no. the face. <laughs> and Lizzie just punched Eric in the face. Um. <laughs> So so it's marriage night, and marriage doesn't really typically, it doesn't happen in the ancient world like it happens today. And dad is supposed to offer up the bride. They prepare a room, 
and it's dark, and they have the celebration, and Jacob goes in to consummate the marriage, and it's dark, has no idea really what's going on. Wakes up the next morning expecting to find Rachel. Who's he find? Leah. Yep. Surprise, surprise. The deceiver has been deceived in this moment. Which, like, I'm going to deviate a little bit, but the comparison is real. Um, Lizzie watches Asian dramas all the time. And one of the, like, typical, like, plot lines is the girl dresses up like a guy and nobody notices. I don't understand how any of this happened, right? Like, it, uh-huh. the the Asian drama thing, the Jacob Esau thing, the Leah Rachel thing. Like, how do you not notice it's somebody different? Yeah. Like, even in my sleep, I could tell the difference in people. Like, I don't, I don't understand where... I, I I don't I don't understand how this scenario well, pops up. Well, yeah. weddings I would think typically the weddings at this time they would have been drinking, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Is mm. he was probably drunk and didn't he didn't even know who who or what he was doing. Yeah, at that point that's Maybe. a really good point because that would I mean think about Jesus. That's fair. Think about Jesus' first miracle, right? The wedding mm. in Cana when he turns water into wine. Everybody's favorite miracle. I get that. <laughs> and in that moment, like, they're celebrated because G- they're drinking the whole time. And then Jesus tran- transforms this water into the best wine that anybody had ever had. And we actually talked about this way back when yeah. we first started the truth response. But, yeah, I mean, that was a and, huge part. And there was a wedding feast. I think feast the women happened. were veiled during the wedding sure. and traditionally at this time. So he wouldn't have actually seen her. Thicker veil probably her, than what we have. Yeah, yet. and there wasn't that. there wasn't like a ceremony per se like we and think And he probably of wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be deceived. <laughs> right. But, surprise, surprise, you wake up with the woman with the weak eyes. Ugh. Apparently the woman wasn't the one with the weak eyes. Right. <laughs> Fellas, don't drink on your wedding night. That's all I have to say, right? Or the night before. <laughs> there you go. So deceiver becomes deceived. And in all of this, Jacob, he's a little angry, right? For rightfully so. And as you can imagine, now he's probably, now he's more in the shoes of what, what uh, Isaac, his dad, and what Esau would have felt when they were deceived by him. So now shoes on the other foot, Uncle Laban in all of this, father-in-law Laban is like, all right, I'll make you deal. You can also take Rachel as your wife, but you also you have to keep Leah. I mean, straight up, that's the deal. You got to keep Leah. Mm-hmm. I know she's weak in the eyes, but got to keep her too. So play out this whole wedding week. Keep Leah. I'll give you Rachel. You can marry her too, but you've got to work for me for seven more years. The deception. It continues. Selfish gain on Laban's behalf in order to, number one, marry off his daughter who nobody wanted to marry. Uh-huh. And number two, the work that Jacob was doing around the, around the, the, the house, the farm, it was going all right, right? Yeah. Jacob was doing some good stuff. Well, and if you think about it, like, God. coming full circle, now he's got two wives. So really double blessing... Mm. Nobody wins with two wives. Well, I'm <laughs> I meant, saying. I meant like the double blessing just got split up. You know what right. I mean? That he got from from it anyways, so it's now dispersed. Well, right. and it's like as horrible as it is, is, it's great thinking on Laban's part because he's receiving God's blessing through right. him. Right. And so he is being more successful, getting more you know wealth and stuff. So he's like, if there's any way that I can keep him here. You know, it just benefits me more. Yeah. For, so it's completely for selfish reasons. The only person that I feel bad for it, well, I feel bad for Rachel, but poor Leah. Right. She knows she's not wanted and she knows she's not loved. Right. She knows it. Like. Yeah, but she went along with it. That's, but at that point. At this, I know. At this I time know. in history, women didn't have a, really have a choice. Yeah. If dad it, said, you're doing this, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. She was on board with it. Yeah. I think if so. She, if she knew that she was weak in the eyes. I'm going to throw that in there as much as possible. If, if she knew that, right, like, and then she went ahead and, you know, went along with it, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. She was intentional. 
Yeah, I think there's significance in there. And the other thing, so now a lot of people get hung up on this too because it's like, oh, here's God condoning a, a polygamous marriage. He's not. I mean, God meets them in this, and there's blessing that comes. But you think about the turmoil that existed in this household because of this polygamous marriage. Take my hand in it. Now take mine. <laughs> right. It, th- this becomes an all-out war between these two sisters, number one. And Jacob's caught kind of in the middle of it. Like, you feel bad for him, but on the other side, you don't necessarily feel bad for him. Because he doesn't do anything to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> He and, caused it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, right. he caused all of this. And then all of a sudden, like, when you start to read the narrative about their children, like... the makes chil- a lot more sense. Yeah, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a flaming train wreck. So this is God making lemons, lemonade out of lemons, mm-hmm. right? Is, is really what happens, which is our story, because none of us get it right. We all get it horribly wrong. And then God somehow continues to bless us for some reason because he loves us, which is weird. Um, and that's what happens in, in Jacob's household, too. So you, you read, I mean, no sooner do you get all of this context in there. And you think the right thing for Jacob to do would to be like concede in all of this and say, okay, Leah's my wife. She's the one that was given to me. I get it. I'll roll with it. That's it. So... Um, yeah, like some of this is in Jacob's court too. Yeah, you, you've got to feel that way as well. And I, I, I do wonder in the back of my mind, like what, what fruit would God have allowed to bear in an even more incredible way had Jacob just taken one wife, Leah, the wife he didn't really want. Hey, there's a narrative for you all throughout the course of the Bible because what's the church? The bride of Christ, right? Is the church really operating in the 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 way, living up to the standard as the bride of Christ? Nope. Nope. Right? Are we the bride that Christ really wants? Mm. Nope. We're the bride that he gets. Right? <laughs> Fair. Yeah. He's making us holy because that's he's the only one that can. Thank you, Jesus. Right. So Uncle Laban, he he deceives the deceiver. Okay, seven more years, hard labor for Jacob and his crew. And then we see God step in because we see Leah's in this loveless marriage with Jacob. And God's like, all right, I see you. I'll bless you. And she conceives and bears a child, right? Mm -hmm. And then Leah thinks, all right, I may have just found favor and earned the love of my husband. (laughs) Doesn't happen that way, right? Then what happens? Leah conceives again. And she's like, okay, second time's a charm, right? This is faux show. This is it. Like, now all of a sudden, Jacob's going to love me. Nope, didn't really happen that way. And then a third time it happens. And she's like, okay, third time's a charm. Not, nah, right? So the whole while, just not. Not good stuff is happening right now. See, in the verses, it's like the the fourth time she's like, she doesn't even think, oh, maybe it'll help. Yeah. (laughs) It's all over and it's all done with. And we may be also questioning then, why is Jacob sleeping with this wife of his that he doesn't love? We've got to remember much, much, much different cultural context. And you were all about procreation in the ancient world. And so you needed to have children. And the stereotype of a guy has not changed since the creation <laughs> of them. Fair. I mean, just saying. Yeah. It, it, it was a lot more egregious of a sin to sleep with someone who wasn't your wife back then. Too. There you go. So, yeah. Good point. Well made. And then we get into a whole bunch of other baby mama drama as... Rachel gets jealous. <laughs> says, give me a child. Says, give me a child. Jacob's like, yo, not my problem. God's You're the one that's broken, right? No, he's, no, he says that I'm not God. <laughs> right. The one time Jacob gets it right, finally. He's like, I'm not God. I can't do it, right? I can only do so much, and I'm doing my part. Like, right. something is not working, right? So Leah concocts a plan. Okay, here's my, my maidservant. Sleep with her. I can have children through her. They count as my children. 
that happens, and then all of a sudden, Leah's like, oh my gosh, she just gave her maidservant now. She's having children. I'm going to give my maidservant, and then then I'll have more children. And then, I mean, just children coming out all over the place. Ten children born between and Leah and the two And not once does Jacob complain about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, and marries them. What like, we recognize is because it's in the Bible drama. doesn't mean it's the way we're supposed to do it, right? So he, like, willingly brings more drama into his house by marrying these other women. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> well, you see it compound. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's a direct result these are mine, from these all are of hers. these other things that are, I mean, context, you know, context is, is, is important. Like, you see the problems compound the more that he strays from, you know, what what the right thing to do would be. Yep. Yeah, you definitely see that happening. And eventually, ten children born to Jacob. Well, ten males that we read of. We know there's one female in there as well. But probably others as well. Uh, Ten males born, and then all of a sudden, God hears Rachel's cry. And Rachel bears a son, Joseph. He becomes a very significant part carrying forward. Uh, But we won't go into that because today is all about deception. And now we're at a point in the story where Jacob's ready to get out from under the wing of Laban. He's fulfilled his time. He's done his hard time. And he's built very significant wealth for Laban, for his father-in-law. And we'll also, I'll also put it in there, he's also his uncle, okay? I know, weird family ties in the ancient world. It's the way it worked. Not that we have to accept that, but that's just the ancient world. Did God necessarily condone that? No, but it was just the way the ancient world worked, okay? Okay, said that. Jacob's ready to get out of Laban's household. Jacob's ready to get out, out from under Laban's thumb. And he recognizes that they're also, he needs some wealth attached to all of this to care for this massive family that he's accumulated. And he's in charge of all the herds and the flocks for Laban. And so he makes a deal with Laban. Okay, all of the animals that are born that are speckled or striped or spotted. Speckled. Speckled. Okay, you're looking at the actual text. I'm going through it in my mind. So all the speckled animals, right, they're going to belong to me. You get all the rest of them. And God revealed this to him, and then there was something that had to do with throwing sticks in the water that they were drinking, and just this weird chain of events that happened, and then all of the animals that were born were speckled, and they would all belong to Jacob. And then the next thing would happen, and all of the animals that needed to be born were striped or spotted or however that all played out. Um, and, and they all just happened to be born that way. And then Jacob kind of like took things to the next level deception wise and is like, I, so I've got the strong males and the strong females here. I'm going to get them together and I'm going to give uncle Laban, father-in-law Laban, all of the not so, not so great ones, the ones that are weak in the eyes, right? So I'm going to give him all of the weak in the eyes animals. I'm going to take the best ones and breed them and then. Hey, here we are. So Jacob accumulates an immense amount of wealth. Wealth equating to flocks, herds, servants, all of this kind of stuff that you're going to have to tend all of these things. And now it's time to leave, to flee from from Laban's, he's not really oppressive, maybe he is, but from under Laban's wing. And it's time to go back. So it's time to go back into the land that God promised me. Only problem is, you know who lives there? Esau. Big brother. Yeah. <laughs> Big brother. Who promised to kill you. Who's going to kill you, right? Because daddy's died. <laughs> right. Jacob once again deceives. He deceives Laban, flees under the cover of the night, gets a three-day head start on Laban. And Laban ends up catching up to him. Whole, whole thing ensues. Laban leaves. Jacob continues on. And Jacob wonders, how's this, how's this meeting going to go down? between me and my brother. So he works up his own form of deception. I'm going to send him a butt ton of stuff. I'm going to buy his love and forgiveness. And this is after he finds out that Esau's headed to meet him. Not yet. Oh, okay. Because he does he sends one crew up. That's right. Right to meet. Yeah. 
And then to yeah. kind of like soft, like see what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> like, like hey, go scope it out. Just let him know I'm on the way, and just see what's gonna happen. And then Jacob he, gets word back. It says he says if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Yeah, so he sends these groups. So sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice my goods, my wealth, my household, my family. I wonder if Leah was in the first group. No, we, we <laughs> well, do yeah, read we that know. his two wives and his children stay back at camp with him. And then they they go across the river just before Jacob. Together. Maybe he just wanted to get rid of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Start over. Yeah. And then what's the word that comes back initially from Esau? What happens? He asks him to come to him, doesn't he? He says he's going to come to him. Yeah. And he's bringing 400 men. This does not spell success on Jacob's part. Because he's like, oh crap, we're going to die. At this point, Jacob's like, I'm already in it. He sends his wife, his two wives, his two wives. They become two camps, right? You've got the Rachel camp and the Leah camp. Mm-hmm. He sends them across the, the fort at the, the Jabbok River. And he spends the night there. And it's very very reminiscent of the night that he spent before he left the Canaanite territory and as he was making his way to Uncle Laban. And uh, he, what happens is he, interest, he has sorry, another encounter I'm, with God. I'm, list, I'm no. looking at like this thing and the way he sends them, uh, the last of the group, he sends the female servants and their children in the front, Leah and her children next, and then Rachel and Joseph, still showing favor yep. to Rachel and all of this because she's the last one he sends. Yep. So, yep. Sorry, but, I just think that's interesting. But as far as he knows at this point, he's sending them all to their death. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't really yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, sending out 400 men to, to meet them, I mean... <laughs> Not a good homecoming. <laughs> that's, that's a war party. I mean, that's, that's a... I mean... Yeah. They're ready for conflict at that point that's what you see in this is you see the character of of this guy like you still see his character as who's number one in his book he is yeah that's it there's a very significant lesson to learn in all of that and it's not god doesn't bless his selfishness god god blesses him because of the plan he has for him he he sees the big picture jacob sees the little narrow rearview mirror of what could potentially happen in all of this and then he wrestles with this this angel the spirit of god who the the big the big bible scholar word is it's a theophany it's an appearance of god in some other form the another other famous theophanies when god appears to moses in the burning bush theophany God appears to Abraham as the smoking fire pot that's passing between the animal sacrifices. So theophany, appearance of God, manifestation of God. And all night we read that Jacob and this spirit of God wrestle with one another. And it gives you a little bit of an understanding of who Jacob is. But for the first time, he doesn't run away from danger. He's just known to do that, right? He flees his dad. He flees his brother. He flees Laban. He potentially sends all of his family, his household, everything off to the slaughter of his brother Esau while he stays behind. But then he encounters what he should really be afraid of, which is the spirit of God. And he wrestles with him all night. Well, he lost everything. Yeah. Complete vulner- vulnerability at this moment. He's got nothing else left to lose. Yeah. And I think there's a pretty good narrative in there, pretty good, pretty good lesson in there for us to understand is God will put us in situations where we have to abandon all of our stuff of this world and may literally have to wrestle with him in order for us to recognize how much we need him. And we may not come out of that unscathed. Right. Jacob didn't. Right. What happened? The hip. Yep. Messed up his hip. Yep. It, it's really cool, too. Like, this whole narrative is just crazy. Because you've got him wrestling with this human 
angelic being. And and in parts you're you're led to believe that Jacob is overpowering this angelic being. But then you find out you find the power of this being by just touching, just just tapping the hip socket of of Jacob in order for it to be dislocated. And and that's kind of what subdues. And and it gives you this idea of like the grace of God almost yeah. in all of this. Well, mm. and like we've already talked about Jacob was not the manly man and it that says he said I will not let you go unless you bless me. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, makes me think not wrestling, but more of like he's holding on to this thing with mm-hmm. everything he has, and the man's like, "Let me go for it's daybreak," and he's like, "No." Yeah. So I don't think of it as really wrestling as much as like <laughs> when my child wants something from me, she like attaches herself to my leg, and yeah. then I wind up dragging a child around by you know. That's more of what I see when I look at this narrative. I'm like, so he was. It was like more of a like a desperate like. Yeah. This is. <laughs> this is it for me. Like <laughs> I gotta, I gotta do this and I'm doing everything in my power to, to hold on to this more so than like actually like wrestling, wrestling. Yeah. So, I mean, it is wrestling, but not, not in the sense of they're fighting and holding on. It's more of like, I'm holding you here until you do this. Well, and I like that because the Hebrew word that's used there, it means wrestling, but it, it really alludes to being in the dirt with, in the dust with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's where Jacob is in that moment. Like, he's getting in the dirt, in the dust. Like, he's getting on the ground, rolling around with God in all of this. Mm-hmm. Not, not, and it's not God allowing Jacob to subdue him, because he's the one that turns it back around and subdues Jacob with just a touch. But that's the place we get to, where we've got to, God, God, God doesn't want us in the dirt with him, but he'll put us in the dirt with him. If that's what it's going to take for us to see our significance, number one, and to see his his power to become for us to be for him to become real to us. Yeah, I feel like in in that whole thing, repentance was was had um, because I, I think I've never thought about it before. Um, the whole like Peter and his denials, which we've talked about mm. before, but like Jesus asked him three times you know do you love me Mm -hmm. and that was like that was the repentance moment i think for peter i think that was the aha moment Mm -hmm. for peter um and we see with david like he the reason david's a man after god's own hearts because he repented when he screwed up Mm -hmm. and that's that that's where i think the blessing is had is is because of the repentance you know i think that's why why God was like willing to to come down, struggle with him till he saw the the error of his ways to the point of repentance, you know, because mm-hmm. he saw that potential of of that in him. I yep. mean, same with David. Yep. You know, maybe not in a physical him and him and God standpoint, but David had all kinds of physical, you know, struggles that he had because of his sin mm-hmm. and his himness, you know, his self love um that he struggled with as well so yeah that's it's really significant and it's a theme if you're looking for it you see it all throughout the bible and we just don't oftentimes look for that type of theme and this is before jacob even meets esau like that's still impending as well like what's going to happen after this wrestling match give me your blessing because i don't have anything else i don't have anyone else to turn to I need your blessing in all of this. And and then we see it, it just plays out like it's a happily ever after. Because Esau runs up, he hugs him. And he's like excited, ecstatic to see his brother. He doesn't want any of the stuff that Jacob sent before him. And isn't that a, a narrative on God? He didn't want any of our stuff, right? He just wants us. Right. And he was he was ecstatic to see his brother. And Jacob was still very hesitant the whole time in this initial meeting. And then we find, I think, which is what, what's really the crux of all of this, which is where God becomes the God of Israel. We, we see the name change happen in, in this wrestling match that you'll no longer be called Jacob, you'll be called Israel, which means struggles with God. Um, Much better name than deceiver. <laughs> right. 
grasps at the heel. Uh, now you become one who struggles with God. And in that, then we see Jacob erect this altar, which he calls, calls God is my God, the God of Israel. Up until that point, the only time you see Jacob refer to God is he's the Lord, he's the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He's the God of my grandfather and my father. He's not my God. We never see him say my God until this moment, that you are, you are my God. You are the God of Jacob. You're the God of Israel as well. Man, what a, what a great story that is. And it should speak to our hearts because we are all deceivers. We all deceive in some way. We, we, we deceive ourselves. We deceive the world around us. We deceive the people around us. We, we work to deceive and manipulate God as much as we can. And yet he still has a plan and purpose for us. And he's going to lead us to the dust a lot of times in order for him to become our God. And sometimes that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. And as as weird as this sounds, like, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, like, reading through the Old Testament and reading through, like, Jesus's lineage and stuff, you think your family's messed up. Like, right. <laughs> look at this family. And that's that's the lineage of Jesus. This is who God chose to be his people. Like, there's nothing that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's nothing that you can do that they did have, haven't done before, had not done before. Like... And yet God continues to use them over and over and over again, even when they're in the midst of the grossness and the their sin and stuff. Like, yes, they have to deal with the consequences of that, but they come through it and God still shows his love to them. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like I said, they don't, it doesn't mean that they don't have to deal with the consequences of it, but God still continues to bless them outside of that. Yeah. Um, which is great for us because otherwise this would be a really depressing story. <laughs> yeah. The Bible would be. Well, and it would also be very depressing if if none of them struggled, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we struggle. Oh, yeah. Like Oh, yeah. yeah. It, how how like how <clears throat> detached from any any of this this Bible and and the narrative and the and the story and the history. Mm-hmm. How detached would we be from it if, if it was all perfect? If mm-hmm. everybody that was in Jesus's mm-hmm. lineage was perfect, mm-hmm. I, I, he couldn't, he couldn't like see eye to eye with mm-hmm. us at that point. He couldn't be on our level because it would show a lack of struggle that we go through mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, and it makes when reading stuff like this or like you know other histories of things like it makes them more human like more real, like somebody I can identify with. Like, and I read a lot, way too much, but a lot of them, it's like a lot of characters and stuff in books, fiction, real life, whatever, histories, you know, things like that. I can't identify with because it's Mm -hmm. like, they're too perfect or they're too good. Like Superman, hate Superman Um, (laughs) because he is so perfect or, you know, or whatever. I can't identify with him. Like he's DC. That's why I hate (laughs) (laughs) not even going to get into that but like that's not at all like who i'm going to like identify with because he is too perfect and mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people dismiss the old testament mm-hmm. but we see a lot more of that human nature and the selfishness mm-hmm. and the the stuff that we see in ourselves in these characters and it's in there for a purpose and i think that's the purpose is that to know that there, you know, there are people like us back here, and God still used that, like yeah. in 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 their history, and God used them, and He continues to use us, um, even in our brokenness, even in our sin, even in the, all the bad choices we make, like, and that is so amazing. Yeah. Um, that just that He loves us that much. Um, yeah. I love that thought because if we just had the New Testament and we just read what we read about these individuals in the New Testament, we would think, we would almost think they weren't real. We would think they were superheroes, right? Yeah. I mean, and and you even read in Hebrews, right, it has the list of 
the heroes list, right? And it talks about Abraham and, and yeah. Isaac and Jacob. And it talks about all these individuals. And you hear about these great accomplishments that they have and these great, uh, the great favor that they held with God. And then you read their story and you're like, these guys were a bunch of idiots, right? <laughs> they're just like I am. Like, they're, a, they're ridiculous. How, who would even do that? Who would dream of doing those, that, those things that are that foolish? And then you're like, oh, me i do those things well i think it inspires hope too because like some of this stuff i wouldn't do yeah but at the same time like the things that i do do make me feel like i'm the worst person in the world yeah uh but i mean like but then you look at you look at some of the things that are in there and it shows like god loved those people Mm -hmm. god Mm -hmm. used those people in great ways Mm -hmm. how much more can he use me you know not having slaughtered yeah. people, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it may be, or in this case, you know, stolen birthrights and ran away and all of that. Well, even if you don't even just look at the certain people, if you look at the the nation of Israel and what mm. they do and, like, they, you know, they cry out for God, they turn away from God, mm-hmm. <laughs> then they're in slavery or oppressed and they cry out for God again. And it's, like, like looking at it, like, when I was younger and stuff, like, because my, my dad loves the Old Testament. So we talked about the history and stuff a lot. And it's like, how stupid are they? They're doing the same thing over and over again. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh, wait, I'm exactly like that. Because I continue to do the same sin mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Even though I know the outcome's bad and I know it's not going to be good for me, mm-hmm. I still continue to do it. And it's like, oh, like, but pe- a lot of people don't make that connection. They're like, just like, oh, they're they're just stupid or like. But even the like superheroes, sheep. right? The superheroes in the Bible that we talk about, like Paul, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, we see some struggles and all that stuff. But like, really, I mean, Christians think of of Paul as like the superhero of the mm-hmm. Bible besides Jesus. You know, like <laughs> he is he's the guy. But he says that exact same thing. How many times am I going to keep doing the same exact thing over yep. and over and over again? And and expecting different results, you know, like why, why, why do I do these things? So yeah, t- yeah, I love that that idea of the thorn in his flesh, and I have my theory on that, which I know some others do as well. <laughs> that could, may or may not have to do with perhaps Paul's sexual preferences. Um, that could maybe be the thorn in his side. There's some textual evidence to support it, but we won't talk about that today because that that's a really exciting topic. <laughs> And we're just mildly excited today. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you guys enjoy our podcast first, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll give you some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Deception. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the point of all that, God even loves Hunter Biden. I mean, you know? And not just not just like a simple love, though. Like, and I think I, as, as joking as that might have been, like, like, he wants that relationship with mm-hmm. Hunter Biden. With Joe Biden, with Trump, with you. like yeah, with, with you, everybody. with yeah. with all of us, like mm-hmm. he he wants that, he desires that individual personal relationship with you, mm-hmm. um, and us. Um, and God's not beyond using them, right? Right, That's pretty significant too. <laughs> and God's not beyond using them in their mistakes. Yeah, right? like during their mistakes, he's not he's not beyond using that stuff to his will. He definitely will. And, you know, you you often wonder if if we're seeing a replay of some of those events in the biblical narrative today. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think of a lot of times in in Judges or in Kings when you read about the wicked kings that came and the good kings that came. And you read about how the Israelites were led into captivity in in Babylon. and, And then you read about the Persians who came and freed them from that captivity. And you think, wow, you know, they were pagan people. They wanted them, they allowed them to go back to rebuild a temple to, to really reestablish themselves as a nation, which could be seen as uh, counterintuitive for another nation, you know, to, uh, to allow that to happen. And yet in the heart of all that was this, this pagan Persian king. So like, you, you can see these, these, these hints of, Hey man, the Bible is still living and breathing and active in our world today. Mm-hmm. If only we take a little bit more time to pick it up and to not just try to get it to say what we want it to say, mm-hmm. but we read it and study it and digest it and chew on it 
and see what it really says. And and this is a great example of not think. Of, you know, we get caught up in thinking, oh, I could never be like Jacob, or a lot more like Jacob than we think, right? Mm-hmm. I could never be like Abraham. We're a lot more like Abraham than we think, right? And these people were not perfect, right? Nor are we. So that's the other thing we have to recognize is we aren't perfect in any of this either. Mm-hmm. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm just I will. <laughs> <laughs> well. It has been a long time coming, but we're back. Thanks for sticking with us or rejoining us or joining us anew. Um, We appreciate the wait. We are sorry for the wait. Our church is evolving and um, changing and growing, and and God is changing our hearts and and our direction and and a lot of things, but uh, we are happy to be back. Um, There are some new voices probably going to be joining us um or a new voice uh going to be joining us and helping out with some stuff so we're excited about that i'm um, not quite sure when or how yet um we also are looking at possibly doing some video um and not, introducing not ourselves our to, to youtube Didn't maybe we already, a little bit like in the beginning say we did not faces for this we did but n- they they don't know that until they see it so. for some reason people like to watch other people sit around and talk yeah so I like listening up. to you. We'll give you y'all what you want. weirdos. We'll give you what you want, people. <laughs> yeah. So look, look for those things in the future. Thank you for giving us a break. Uh, you know, on on our downtime, uh, our hopefully our sound is sounding better than it ever has. Uh, it seemed that way at sound check today. So thank you for staying with us in our flaws, and uh, hope to see you again soon. Talk to you soon. Hear from you soon. Yes. Talk to us. We've got a Facebook. We got a Twitter. We got an email. We don't have a Twitter. We don't have a Twitter. I lied. We have a Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. I have like removed myself from social media, so I apologize. We have Instagram. We have you sit Facebook. On a throne of lies. I do sit on a throne because of lies. TikTok is as much social media as anything else, <laughs> and you, my friend, have a problem. I don't have any problem. Except for the half a dozen TikToks that I know I get, which pale in comparison to the number of TikToks you send to your wife on a daily basis. Do you not watch them? I watch some of them. (laughs) I only send them to you because I think you'd think they're funny. Yeah, and I usually do. So I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. I'll say he says he doesn't do social media. See, but you don't have to scroll through all of the the TikToks to get to those ones that you have. It's fair. So I'm doing you a favor. See. It's really funny because he like that's the only social media he uses, and like I'm like I'm the one that's in charge of (laughs) the social media at the church and the social media for the truth response. So long story short, opposites. The truth response on Facebook, (laughs) the truth response Instagram, the truth response at gmail.com, and soon we will even have a website. What? So uh, thanks for for chilling with us. Uh, We love you guys, and God bless. Hey, thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and give us a like on iTunes and Spotify so that you will never miss a show. And while you're at it, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and make sure you tell your friends about this show. You don't want them to miss out on the truth because we are all about the truth here. Thanks for joining us this week and God bless.